what did Lee mean to do when he went up to Gettysburg? He didn't tell his subordinates, and he didn't tell his boss either. We'll try to figure it out when we return with author Michael A. Palmer, author of Lee Moves North, on Civil War Talk Radio. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Looking for answers in real estate? We break it down for you. Each week, the Exeter Group explores how successful investors evaluate and acquire real estate to build their portfolio. From financing tips, tax and accounting strategies, and advice on how to control risk, the Exeter Group entertains and informs while divulging secrets used by the most successful investors. Tune in to the Exeter Group every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio Studio A. Hey, how you doing? Educational videos, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street. But with free family learning programs, you can get the education you need. Call 1-877-FAMLIT-1 for information on free learning programs. 1-877-FAMLIT-1. Check it out, check it out. We your GED right here, guaranteed, ma. Come on, check it out. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Mike Palmer, professor at East Carolina University and author of numerous books, uh, the one we're discussing today is called Lee Moves North, Robert E. Lee on the Offensive. And we've been discussing in our first two segments how it was that Lee, the, the great uh, field general of the war, could be so unsuccessful in his strategic offensives, ending at Antietam and Gettysburg, and the more limited one in October 1863 that got as far as Bristow Station in northern Virginia. And uh, in our last segment, we were discussing the virtues of decentralized command, where the uh, the person in charge has subordinates who know what needs to be done, uh, as Stonewall Jackson seemingly did when he worked with Lee, but as Ewell and Hill and to some extent Longstreet couldn't quite manage to do in, in subsequent campaigns. So, uh, Mike, this is a... I guess this is a puzzle that, that has never been solved as to what Lee meant to do at, at Gettysburg uh, in the campaign as a whole, because he didn't tell, uh, certainly didn't tell Longstreet or Hill or Ewell, his corps commanders. And uh, I gather he didn't tell Jefferson Davis either. Is that right? Well, in all three of the campaigns, Lee tends to maybe lie is too strong a word. It's, it sounds, it's sort of like uh, some of the debate about the current political contest involving some of the candidates. Are they misspeaking or, or what? Lee tended to, when he when he was doing something that he knew Richmond didn't like, he tended to obfuscate what he was doing. So, for example, in the, the Maryland campaign, he sends back 
a message to to uh, Davis saying, I'm thinking about invading the north, when in fact the troops are just about ready to cross the river. And then he says, but if you don't want me to do this, you know, I understand. Now, the troops are going to cross within 12 hours. And then he also lets Davis know that he's going to be incommunicado for a couple of days. So, so Davis really has no chance to say, you know, Bob, don't do this. Uh, invading the North is a big deal here. Not that, and I don't mean to imply that Davis would have held him back, but just in, if he had, he couldn't have. Uh, the same is true at uh, Gettysburg. If you look at some of the communications that passed between Lee and Davis, it's if you didn't know Lee was about to invade the North, you couldn't be sure from the communications until Ewell's first troops are over the river. And by then, of course, it's too late, and Lee once again cuts off his communications. Uh, and the same is true in the Bristow campaign. In the Bristow campaign, he literally lied to Secretary of uh, War uh, James Seddon. There's a point where rumors have reached Richmond that Lee has moved across the, uh, I guess it's the Rappahannock River, and is marching around Lee's flank, which is true. I mean, if, if I know where the positions of the troops are, Lee had moved. He was over the river. And Seddon sends him a telegram, and Lee says, uh, these are, you know, rumors. Uh, I'm not there. When, in fact, he was. He had already moved. Now, of course, the reason there is Seddon has been stripping Lee of troops and sending them west, and Lee, in my view, is moving north because he he's trying to keep busy so Seddon can't take his troops from him. Now, to get back to the question about Gettysburg, so the question is, what do you look at? If you look at what Lee wrote after the campaign, it was a raid. He wanted to disrupt the North, uh, move the army, and live off federal supplies for a while. And if you look at Lee's January 1864 report, you would have to conclude the uh, invasion was a success. Now, if you look at what Lee wrote before the invasion, it was a, it was a disaster. Because what Lee is telling the Confederate cabinet in Richmond and the president is, because they're pressing him in 1863 after Chancellorsville, when it looks like the Federals aren't coming, at least for a while, to send troops to help the West because they're losing the Mississippi, because Vicksburg's under siege. Lee tells, I mean, this is in the documentation, Lee tells Davis and the cabinet in Richmond the best way to save uh, Vicksburg is for me to march north. If I march north and carry the war north, they will break off the siege, which is going to have to be broken off anyway. He said that Grant couldn't hold the siege in the summer because of disease and swamps, which wasn't the case. But if I invade the north, that's how we're going to save Richmond. So if you look at the campaign, Lee is, I mean, he has several objectives. One is get the war out of Virginia. Two, live off northern territory, probably for three to four months is what I think he had in mind. Uh, Three, save Richmond, because his view is as soon as he gets into Pennsylvania, they'll break off the siege and send some of uh, Grant's troops to the east. And then he also talks about fighting uh, a battle on uh, federal territory uh, in the north. He writes about a uh, to strike a blow at the army then commanded by General Hooker, is how he put it later. Now, of course, that's going to be Meade's army by the time of by the time of Gettysburg. So uh, that's what he was trying to do. And there's several instances where he's telling. Davis and the others, the way to save, because the big problem for the Confederacy in the spring of 1863 is what's happening along the Mississippi. And one answer is obviously strictly of troops, send them west, which of course is what they do in the, the uh, uh, eight, uh, in September, Chickamauga. Chickamauga. But do, just let me ask, do you think that would have worked? Could they have sent a corps west and accomplished anything? I don't know. Uh, 
it, it's hard to think they couldn't have done better. But of course, a lot would depend on who would have commanded it. I mean, if they're going to send them out there under Bragg. I don't think you know they could have sent the whole army out there. It would have made a difference. Uh, but again, I'm not, I'm not saying Lee's strategies, you know, necessarily wrong. But you know, you have to judge the campaign. That's what I argue in the book by what his objectives were. And his objectives were he was going to he would save Vicksburg and Pennsylvania. Well, clearly he didn't do that because he comes back to Virginia very quickly and. Vicksburg Falls, and the Mississippi is is broken. Uh, the Confederacy is divided. Uh, nor does he strike a blow against uh, the Federals. He does live off land for not quite three weeks. Uh, he does get the Federals out of Virginia for about a month, but he doesn't achieve much else. And of course, he loses you know twenty thousand men, uh, which is uh, is a lot for his army, and you know it never really I don't think it ever fully recovered from that. So those were his stated objectives. Uh, if you look at many of the histories, uh, they like to focus on Lee's January 1864 report, and, which is very different than his original report, which was written in July. The original report is dated July 31, 1863. His longer report is January 1864, but they're different. I mean, you cannot read the two and not see that this guy is changing his story. And as a historian, I tend to go back, you know, whatever's closer to the the event is, is probably more accurate. I don't think he was changing his story early on. I think he was fudging. I mean, he fudged the 1864 report to fit what happened in the campaign as opposed to what he had wanted to happen. So that he could say, it, you know, it was still partially successful. Well, he offered to resign when he got back. Yeah, but that's that's in July. In July, but, I, I mean, so so it's not as if he's writing a report in July. So this was a great success. I think I'll resign no, now. The July report is pretty clear. He's lost. You know, it's my right. fault. It's all my fault. He does offer to resign. He, uh, but then once he he recovers and he's back in command, he starts convincing himself that well, you know, it really wasn't that bad. I think, or at least that's what he puts in his report. And what's interesting is compare his January report, not his July report, but his January report to uh, Stewart's report. Stewart's report for the Cavalry Corps is longer than Lee's report for the whole army. Uh, and of course, there are obvious differences between the two. And it's obvious that there are differences between Lee's two reports. I mean, they 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 are not in sync. And then there's differences between both those reports and what he was writing before the campaign, where he he talks about he's very clear about you know saving Vicksburg. Uh, in the January the July report, he does say that uh, let me see, support your son, that you know he would upset the enemy's complaint, enemy's plans and draw to its support, namely Hooker's army, troops designed to operate against other parts of the country. Now that. The implication is there he's going to save the West. But that phrase gets lost in the January report. He doesn't even mention that. So I think if you look at what you know Lee's objectives are going into Gettysburg, then you can understand just what a disaster that campaign was, because not only does he not win the Battle of Gettysburg, which is bad enough for the course of a war in the Eastern Theater, but he he either he he his his failure there also secures the loss of Vicksburg and Mississippi. Uh, now, whether, you know, obviously if he wins at Gettysburg, uh, they may have broken off the uh, campaign at Vicksburg and sent troops rushing to save the federal capital in Philadelphia. I mean, Lee may have been right strategically that the best way to save the West 
was to win in the East. I mean, that's militarily, that's that's not an illegitimate point to make. Although, given I mean how nearly simultaneous the battles are, it's not as if yeah. they would have broken it off on July Fourth. You know, no. we don't don't hold the surrender ceremony. We're, we're, we're leaving. Um, yeah, but I mean, if Lee had his way, he would have moved earlier too. Yeah. Uh, part of you know that's always part of the thing is that Lee doesn't get the support that he feels he needs. I mean, in many ways, what Lee's asking the South to do is to stake everything on his campaign. He wanted troops drawn from North Carolina. He wanted uh, Beauregard to command what would have essentially been a second army, or if you look at it as a fourth corps in Virginia, to force Hooker at that point to divide his army, that Hooker would have to keep some of the troops south of the Potomac to watch Washington, and would have to only send part of the army north to deal with Lee. Militarily, that that's really a good plan. The problem is, while Lee wanted to do that, it was a high-stakes gamble, and Davis was never willing to put sufficient resources behind a plan where it could not necessarily work, but work in the way that Lee wanted it to work. Now, <clears throat> the question is, if you're Lee, what do you do then? Do you say, well, then I'm not doing it? Or do you try to do it on the cheap, which is basically what he did? And that's what he's trying to do with Longstreet by keeping Longstreet, or hoping to keep Longstreet on the eastern side of the mountains. Longstreet's trying to double. He's trying to do two things at once. He's trying to play the role that, that Beauregard should have been playing with his army or corps, and also simultaneously getting north of the river, which is kind of hard to do. And just like Stewart's supposed to be the screen and the reconnaissance. Well, you know, Mike, what, what he needed was more cavalry, but he didn't have that either. So. No, that, and what we need is more time, but unfortunately we don't have that. Um, uh, you and I can uh, have lunch next week and continue this conversation. Unfortunately, our listeners will not get the further benefit of it because we have run out of time, but they can find out more of your ideas on this campaign from this uh, book that I think uh, deserves much more attention, uh, Lee Moves North, Robert E. Lee on the Offensive by Michael A. Palmer. Uh, listeners, I think you will enjoy it. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Are you?